Sean Malloy. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? We're uh, doing a quick show. We got to get something in this week because we're Abe and I are both kind of tired following uh, Road America. Understandably, yeah, um, and the season in general. So, uh, yeah, it was a wild one. Yeah, we should be back to a couple shows a week and a Patreon show here and there uh, shortly. But uh, yeah, Abe moved and like he's been tired for a month. Um, so yeah, <laughs> babies will do that to you and moves. Yeah, babies, <laughs> new jobs, two, and... two dogs, move to a condo, store all your stuff in storage, buy a giant RV, buy fix, a dope fi- bus, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fix fix that thing constantly. Like it never ends yeah. for it never ends for our, our our hero Abe right now. So yeah, um, so you have been a uh, kind of a a slip angle uh, listener for a while and sort of like a text buddy. And earlier this oh, yeah. year, um, earlier this year, you helped out at NCM, and then you were at Alpine also, I believe, right? I was. Yep. Yeah, I flew out to Alpine and barely made it. My flights got canceled, and uh, there was no way I was going to miss that. So, found a flight within like fifteen minutes, and luckily I live uh, fifteen minutes from the airport, so I made it with like minutes to spare. Oh. <laughs> you bought like the flight for the next hour. Oh yeah, that's yeah. wild. One time yeah, I did my that. Flight going got canceled. To... Well, it got delayed, and I was supposed to do a transfer in Dallas, and right. it was going to put me an hour and a half behind my transfer. And I was like, "Well, I guess I'm not going to make it." And I'm like, "No, you know what? I'm going to make it." Yeah. Well, I'm glad <laughs> so, you figured it out. That was a party, man. But... Yeah, it was fun. It I did that fun. going to SEMA one time. Wow. I booked I booked a, a flight for the wrong day, and I showed up at the airport like on a Tuesday. And I was like, "Oh no, I booked a Thursday flight." And then and then I just started looking at like the available flights on whatever, you know, American Airlines or whatever I was taking. And like yeah. there there was one spot, there was like one flight for 50 bucks like leaving in 4 minutes and I was like, "I'll buy that right now." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. what happened to me. I uh got home, I was pulling into my driveway and it was like, "Oh, your flight's delayed." And I was like, "Oh, well, no big deal. That gives me like an extra hour to hang out at home before I have to like hop on this plane and uh my wife pulls in like right behind me and she's like hey uh by the way uh did you look at your connector and i was like oh crap i forgot about my connector (laughs) looked at that and it would have put me an hour and a half back from that so i was like well i guess i'm not going to colorado and she's like uh no yeah you are and figure it out you've been planning this for months like we're you're like look at flights so I hopped on my Southwest app, and like I said, luckily I live 15 minutes from Nashville Airport, and uh, I looked at the flights. There was one seat left on the last uh, flight that was going to make it to Colorado, and uh, actually, buddy Pete Lindbergh came and picked me up from the airport. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, I Pete, I, at like midnight. <laughs> I, I got somebody that needs to be picked up. Uh, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, then it turned out that me and uh, Sully's girlfriend were on the same flight. So, Oh, yeah? I didn't know. Uh, yeah, we were like standing in checkout, and she's like, are you Scott? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I thought I recognized you from MCM. And uh, so we just happened to be on the same flight. That's and, cool. They were already coming to get her, so I just hopped in the back of the fit and away we went. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, that worked out well. It, that yeah. was a that was a wild that was a wild event. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a pretty good event. 
I liked I liked a lot of aspects of that one. That place is kind of nuts. Like you put a lot of people in one little bowl, you know. Like it's it's wild. Um, kind of yeah, hard. Yeah, but then they like basically let you do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it it is it is really cool when like a a NASCAR IndyCar track, like an X NASCAR X IndyCar track, just like says, uh, "What are you gonna do?" And then uh, yeah, that sounds good. And then they ask me permission to like do things. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's so bizarre. Hey, can we throw this guy in a GLTC car and let him rip? Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But yeah, this is your track. Yeah, yeah it's that, that's a great facility to work at. Uh, PPR yeah, yeah. kind of rules. That was a good party. That was a pretty good party. But that was very fun. Um, I, I do appreciate your help throughout the season. With uh, you've been uh, like you and I sort of like dove into um, aim data at NCM uh, yeah. a bunch, and then sort of set the. Uh, the precedent for like how we want to do stuff and started like building a process for it. And I appreciate your help with that throughout the year. It's been great. So yeah, um, I'm happy to, yeah. I actually need to go through all the data from uh, the last event and just yeah. look over everything, get yeah. it organized we, and we, all that. So. We've been putting a lot of, uh, a lot of data boxes in, uh, in cars um, yeah. and then pulling data from people's cars. Cause a lot of people have, you know, similar systems and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh yeah, it's been a it's been a big data collection thing, and it teaches you stuff about things, and it and it's been kind of helping sculpt the rules for twenty twenty three, uh, or yeah. twenty what twenty twenty two twenty twenty two yeah, yeah. whatever year it is I don't know what year it is <laughs> so um, in the meantime you have been planning your own build yes <laughs> so what are you doing what are you doing so uh, just a little background on where I kind of came from. So old D series Honda nerd like yourself, um, had a 95 DX coupe, uh, civic, uh, that I had all through high school. I actually worked at Papa John's as a pizza delivery guy. Um, and all through high school. And I literally didn't spend a single penny, um, of any of my paychecks. And, Uh, I had this like crappy 93 Saturn SL that my parents bought for me as my first car. Uh, Luckily, it was a stick, so I like taught myself how to heel toe and stuff like that when I was like 16 years old. Yeah, clutch drops. Um, Yeah, yeah, taking it off of jumps and stuff out in the country. uh, But I always, I always was, you know, child of the Fast and the Furious era, era, and uh, always really loved like the the body lines, the EG Coupe. Always thought that. I mean, I know a lot of people, Eric Attil and all them are big hatch boys, but uh, I always thought that the coupe just was like a sleeker, longer-looking car. And, I mean, definitely is uh, arrow-wise, it's sleeker, and we all know yeah, it fit, yeah. we all know it fits under semi trucks. So. Yeah. <laughs> so one of our other delivery drivers um, actually had a, this '95 Civic Coupe, and it was kind of beat up and you know really needed some love but the body was super straight the hood was dented from god knows what a tree falling on it or something but um otherwise no crash damage the body was super super clean so um as every high schooler does i you know ended up convincing him to sell it to me and the first thing i did was put a carbon fiber hood on this stock d15 b7 powered uh shitbox honda yeah 85 <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah oh Maybe. it wasn't even that it was yeah. like down on compression <laughs> um well i mean it sounded like a subaru yeah. had some giant 4 can exhaust and uh 
Um, yeah, so I was like, well, this hood's trash. Well, you know, I put a carbon fiber hood on it, whatever. And um, then actually started having problems with the engine. And actually one of our local uh, Honda techs at the Honda dealership used to do uh, engine swaps on the side. Um, so I talked to him and I mean, this was when, uh, JDM D 15 B seven or JDM D 15 B V tech from H motors online was $500 shipped with a limited slip trans. I mean, Dude. this was 2007. Yeah. Nowadays, Actually, not even, it was those, what, 2005. Those are so rare. Like you could sell yeah. just the, just the limited slip. You could sell for like 1500 bucks, the trans. Yeah. So, so I mean, I had the S 20 limited slip. Um, JDM D15 BV Tech all swapped in. I mean, it was all super clean, done at the Honda dealership, uh, and they serviced the car and everything. And um, that's like a plug and play kind job, of a, basically. Kind of like a very weird situation. The guy was a tuner and he tuned the car and everything. Um, so uh, I had that uh, stock D15B in it for a while, and then um, I used to do like eighth mile drag racing we didn't have a quarter mile around us but our local drag strip um was fighting to try to get people to stop street racing mm-hmm. um so they basically opened like a heads up run what you brung kind of um street racing style uh drag strip. oh lost him there he is hey i lost you Hang on. There we go. Are we good? You're back. Yep. Okay. So, so, so they um, were trying to shut down street racing. Yeah, trying to shut down street racing, and it was just a way to get, like, the kids off the street, but still let them kind of have fun and whatever, and it was, like, midnight drag, so, you know, like, late night kind of fun thing for, for everybody, and um, started doing that, and, I mean, the car was slow. It was yeah, a stock yeah. E-Series, so. Probably a 16-second um, quarter-mile car. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, eh, well, this is kind of boring. Uh, and I had just moved to Nashville. And one of my buddies uh, in culinary school was like, hey, uh, you know, have you heard of this autocross thing? And I was like, what? what is that? And he showed me. I was like, oh, it's like cone racing. That looks kind of stupid. And uh, I was like, you know what? But I'll give it a try. And uh, we went out and I had a blast. I was like, wow, this is, this is what I was looking for. Like it's more about handling, whatever. So yeah, it's super low uh, barrier to entry. Approach yeah, it was cheap. Yeah. It was like, I think it was like $15 if you were a member. That's uh, cheap. And because it's a pretty small region, well, it was at the time, you had 10, 12 runs in a day. Nice. Um, so you were actually getting a lot of sea time for, you know, it being autocross. Um, and, I kind of started to take that a little bit more seriously uh, and through the forums and everything, you know, back when those were super active, um, I ordered or I found this guy who was selling a King Motorsports built D17. So it was a JDM D15B block that was all built by King Motorsports, uh, stroked out to 1.7 liters. Really? Uh, oh yeah, it was like, it what, was like their wildest D series that they sold. Um, I'm not even sure. This guy was like crazy road racer dude. Um, 
And they used to actually sell that as like their stage four D series. Um, and they would run it on carburetors. Okay. Um, and some side DCOEs or something like that. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, so I was like, well, I don't really want to deal with carburetors, but it was like a screaming deal. I mean, I had called King motorsports and was like, Hey, like what's the deal with this engine? And they were like, you know, they quoted me, Oh, well, if you want one built, it's going to be some astronomical amount of money. Um, yeah, like 10, and I think, 10 I think it was ago. a D17 crank out of whatever the EM two civic, like, yeah, like the, the, the bastard child one. Yeah. Um, and they, but it was, like I said, it was like crazy, uh, ported head, all kinds of crazy stuff. So 10 years I ago, like, well, I, I had, I asked them like, what would a, what would like a, an ITA prepped head cost, like just because I was building the bottom end or whatever, and yeah, that's just yeah. like valve. It's like a valve, like a three angle valve job, and like twenty thousands off the deck or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they were like, "Oh, it's going to be uh, twenty eight hundred dollars," and I was like, "Oh, that's a lot of money." <laughs> yeah, I think I remember them quoting me north of ten grand to oh, do this D series. Yeah. Um, Probably customer. So I found this business. motor, and it was like thirty eight hundred bucks, and I was like, "Well, there's no way I'm not buying this." So. <laughs> Um, ended up buying that, and uh, this was like right when Busy Moto was like doing all the F series and D series stuff, like 07, uh, 08, 09, yeah, yeah, really just kind of getting started. So I reached out and was like, Hey, I got this crazy motor, but you know, I don't really want to run it on carbs. What do you think? Um, and he's like, Oh, I'm actually developing these Stage X cams, uh, or the Stage X cam for a motor like that. I'll send you one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so got this crazy, like, prototype Busy Moto cam in it um, and and his new header that he had been working on, the, like, weird cross-ram, um, where it was, like, strange firing order. Um, but so I was, like, on the forums, and I was like, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to run this engine? Like, carburetors are such a pain. And, you know, I don't know anything about that. They're either a pain or they're absolutely not a pain at all. It's like one. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Busy actually reached back out and was like, hey, so Kinsler wants to build D-series individual throttle bodies. And I think that your motor is a perfect candidate to do that. And I'll make sure that all the tuning gets done. Did Uh, Did they actually sell those or no? They sold three and I had one of them. Uh, what size so, what size were they like a 42 or 45 i or think they were 42s uh but they had that really trick like vacuum actuated uh injector where as as it pulled vacuum it sucked the injector in for better um atomization that's um, yeah so i had this crazy motor and like all this stuff that i like didn't know what to do with um Holy so God. one of the local autocross guys had a dyno and he's like well let's just play with it like let's you know hook it up to hondata and let's see what what we can do um and it made like 195 wheel holy smokes really it was it was wild and i daily drove it and it was i mean it sounded like a v8 like crazy lumpy cam barely wanted to run so so for people that like don't know about d-series Make them one the world nine... record is one ninety seven. Uh, I mean, there are some. There's a few like uh, random uh, ones that claim over two hundred, uh, but like I've never seen it. 
Yeah, me either. Like, like I mean, a, the world record I know of is 197. It's yeah, like a 200 wheel horsepower NA D series is basically like a 450 horsepower NA K. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah. a 350 horsepower NA B. Like yeah. It's a bit. It's it's hard to do. Like it's not easy. Very. And and, and like but, I said, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I was just like lucked into this crazy scenario where this motor came available and people were willing to throw parts and development at it and i knew you had i knew you had a crazy one i know it was that wild yeah it was wild this is wild Uh, this is wild as they've ever gotten (laughs) yeah i mean this is you know and now i mean with guys like bad guys and stuff like that um i think he's in arizona now um but he was in california for a long time was like the d-series guy right um, he holds the current world record, but I mean, that car is, or that engine is also, um, like five axis CNC and, you know, dimple ports and all that, which mine didn't have any of that. It was, you know, pretty old school, but yeah, it my, just my happened buddy, that all these things worked out together. That's so weird. My buddy Melvin, like used to be in Puerto Rico and he built a couple yeah, of, yeah. he built a couple of really wild D's. Yeah, um, but uh, he kind of they fell. ran that pink CRX, right? The right. like right. Couple, world couple, record NA drag racer. Couple of wild builds, like yeah, real fast. But like nobody plays with these things like to this extent. No, there's like twelve. Well, and now it's 12 like impossible. Twenty people ever that have done it. So. Yeah. Um. So anyway, this I had this crazy motor, and I was getting serious about autocross, and. Um, you know, I basically was just like, all right, well, this thing doesn't really fit anywhere. Um, so what am I going to do? Right. And, um, I was like, well, let's start at like the bottom of the autocross totem pole. And, you know, we'll start. I mean, this is when it was H stock before they did, they changed everything to street. Um, so I bought a base model RSX. Um, and you were pretty pretty into it for a while. You were buying cars for autocross. Yes, I will. yeah, I bought, so I bought a base model RSX um, to compete in A Shock, and this was when it was dominated by the NA Minis. Right. Um, and I was like, well, let's let's see what we can do with this thing. Turned it out, it was absolutely the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it handled like a pig, and I mean, I didn't have the budget to put Penske's or anything on it. Um, what, so, what, what year would this have been? Like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, 2009, because I would have graduated college in 08, so... Yeah, like, and nobody um, knew anything about making those things turn yet, like... No, and the only people who were really playing with it were, um, Pete Cunningham and them, um, at real time, and they were running, like, whatever, 30,000-pound rear springs or some crazy yeah. high thing just to, like, lock the rear suspension in. Yeah, um, I, I, the, the phrase... Uh, the phrase that I heard was the best way to make a rear R- RSX rear suspension work is to make it not work. Make it not work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pete, Pete Cunningham was actually at uh, Road America this week, and he. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, That's yeah, he, wild. He hung out, and I guess they they had a big uh, NSX cruise. So I'm sitting oh, cool. I'm sitting in Grid, uh, and I get a phone call from like a Wisconsin number, and I'm like, "Hello," and, and I'm sitting in my dumb old spec fit. Uh, and he's like, hi, uh, Adam, I got your number from uh, Jay here. This is Pete Cunningham. And I'm like, oh, hi, Peter. How are you? Yeah. You, you, oh, were on, hi. You, you were on my podcast five years ago. <laughs> and it was a super awkward interview. How are you? Um, yeah. I didn't say that, but I thought it. But uh, So, yeah, he, he, he showed up with a bunch of dudes. They ate some lunch at the Gearbox and watched some races and then took off. So 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wild, wild dude. Done a lot of things. Definitely yeah. uh, was a pioneer in the RSX world, though. So legend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so then uh, my wife was getting ready to graduate college, and we were kind of deciding: well, are we going to stay in Nashville? Are we going to move somewhere? I was sort of on this wild chef path of got to work at the best restaurants, all that. I mean, I'm a trained chef for years, um, and. Chicago was like the closest big city. Right. Um, so we always kind of eyeballed that. And we had been on vacation there a couple times and really enjoyed it. Um, and I was looking at the driveway and I was like, so mom, dad, uh, we're thinking about moving to Chicago. And they were like, well, you can't store your cars here. So uh, <laughs> wild, crazy uh, D-series Civic Coupe ended up getting parted out, which luckily I got screaming deals on all this stuff and it was stuff that nobody else had or you know was was building yeah um so i made money on everything that i uh that i sold which so is it was, yeah it was like so rare uncommon. so weird yeah. mm-hmm. um so made money on that um ended up selling the rsx and took all that money and used it to move to chicago so where did you guys live um, in uh, when we first moved there, we lived um, in Uptown, like right off of the Wilson uh, Red Line stop. Right. Um, and then we lived there for a year and then moved down to like Chicago and Ashland, uh, like Ukrainian Village, East Village area. Oh, okay. And we lived there for almost five years. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So we were in Chicago for like six and a half, almost seven years. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, and um, we loved it, but the winters were just getting unbearable, and the taxes and all the crazy political Chicago ness that you've no. grown up with. <laughs> you don't say. Um, so then we decided that we were going to move to the next craziest place, which was uh, California. <laughs> yeah. um, Specifically, like uh, San Francisco area, right? Uh, yeah, about an hour and a half north of San Francisco, oh, in okay. like. Sonoma County wine country. I lived about 45 minutes from uh, Sonoma Raceway. Okay. Um, uh, but again, you know, chasing the crazy chef dream. Um, and prior to moving there, I'd actually bought a BRZ. I loved it when it first came out. Um, and uh, I had a Mini Cooper. John Cooper worked before that. Um, and it was a great city car um for parking and stuff but it always had problems and i just got sick of fixing it so um i traded it in as soon as i got it running good Mm -hmm. and uh got a brz um and then kind of realized it was a stupid city car but because we were moving to Chicago or to california i was like oh well this car will be great with all the canyons and wine country roads and all that um, so we, uh, actually packed that up with our two cats, um, and about 30 bottles, bottles of alcohol that our shipping company would not ship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we drove all the way across to the Grand Canyon, all sorts of crazy Canyon roads there loaded down with two cats and a trunk full of booze. <laughs> Sounds like a party, man. And, uh, <laughs> moved to Northern California and then, uh, that's kind of where I picked back up on the motorsport stuff because I had not done anything the whole time I was in Chicago. Um, I, you know, just didn't really have the budget and 
it's, uh, and it's hard to be in Dax. It's too. hard to be a car guy there without yep. a garage and somewhere to store it in the winter. And yep. now we, um, we have a lot of friends who obviously live in those areas, you know, mm-hmm. and and track with us, and they all have a garage somewhere else. They all yeah, store yeah. the car somewhere else. You know, it's it's just yeah. tough. So. Yeah, so uh, actually met up with this really great group uh, called at the time it was Eight Six Cop, um, which you've had Mike Gang and um, them on the show back with Austin and everything. Yeah, we we've actually um, had a bunch of Eight Six Cup rounds like at Good Life events. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's... I actually helped them op- or move the Eight uh, uh, Six Cup to the Midwest, and then also helped coordinate the move of it to the Southeast. Okay. Um, but we, the Northern California, um, group kind of broke off and we started our own similar rule set, um, a little bit different. We kind of opened up the rules a little bit and, um, you know, we didn't have like minimum weights and stuff like that, like eight, six cup does. Um, uh, just cause the Northern California guys are crazy and there's, um, it was more of like a pure builder's time attack rule set um and, and it's still so pretty we, like pretty grassroots like typically they're not even transponder stuff right uh we so we had a deal with speed sf they because we ran all of our events with them they were sort of our exclusive um group that we ran with uh, we got free rentals of transponders oh, okay so, they actually um, had so we we did that. run transponders we also allowed like harry's and stuff at uh 0.2 second um penalty or aim at like a point one. Okay. Um, so if you had your own aim system or just ran Harry's and didn't want to do this, this was pre us having this deal with them, uh, for transponders. Um, we would accept those times. At, I, I sort uh, of love the, at a penalty. Uh, I, I, I sort of love some of the spirit behind that because it's like a grassroots, like, Hey, let's just all compare each, compare our, our builds to each other. We'll see what's possible. And yeah, uh, and it's kind of a cool knowledge base that has developed out of that. But yeah. yeah, it's wild. I mean, we we would even have guys, you know, some of the guys who are more like software developers, whatever, doctors, engineers, um, that had a bit more money. They would, um, you know, go to private test days and stuff like that. And we would literally take one car and put AO52s on it see how fast they could go put maxis rc1s in the same size see how fast they could go um so we had this crazy data pool of like here's the tires here's where they stack up against each other um you know like i mean everything re71s nexons we would have 10 to 12 sets of tires that we would just bolt on and go um and you know they would run them at different weekends and stuff like that so um and we did a lot of collaboration with um, the SoCal group and, you know, we were comparing what their stock class did versus our stock class. And, you know, they had, they allowed like camber plates in stock, which we didn't. Right. Um, so it was really cool just to kind of see how, how the, how the cars stack up against each other. Um, and we, you know, did a lot like GLTC where we shared all of our data and, um, you know, we would like hop in each other's cars and, go for rides and have, you know, the more experienced guys drive our car, show us what they could do sort of, you know, Tom McGorman where they, he's like setting a reference lab kind of thing. Um, and it just always gave us something to chase. Uh, 
And, and when you've got a good community have, like that, like the hobby is more fun than if you're just doing it by yourself. Oh, it was, so. I mean, it was a blast. We were the best of friends. I mean, I still talk to a lot of those guys. and um, You know, it, it never became competitive in the sense of, you know, trying to beat each other. It was like we're competitive in trying to push this platform forward, right. find its weak points, help each other get faster, and just show everybody what the chassis is capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had a couple unfortunate, uh, meetings with the wall in that car. Um, and one of them happened to be at my last track day, like my going away party, um, right before we moved here, uh, back to Nashville. I didn't know that. And the last thing that I wanted to do was ship a wrecked car across the country and try to figure out how to fix it and all that. So I actually reached out to the Kellys and said, you know, hey, I know you guys are running this school. Are you interested in this chassis? Like, I'm just trying to get rid of it. Um, and Justin was like, actually, yeah, we're looking for a trainer car. And that is now the car uh, that Tiffany and them use for their school. Right. Um, so they shipped it uh, out to Nebraska. Or where are they? Are they in Nebraska? I uh, think so. They are in Omaha area. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So shipped it out there um and then um they actually probably got like the cheapest brz in the country that had like double adjustable tain srcs and crazy custom rear subframe oh it had everything it had everything in it huh yeah i made 200 wheel it ran on e85 like it was yeah it was ready to go yeah um i just didn't want to deal with it anymore and i kind of i had crashed it pretty bad at laguna very early on and I was like, well, I'm not fixing this again. Like, it cost too much last time. So <laughs> I luckily had track day insurance, and they paid me out, and I took the money and used it for a down payment on a house. <laughs> okay. well, that's a plus. Kind of wins yeah. for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So then uh, through that, I had you know, been talking to all you guys, and uh, I had always been eyeing GLTC, and I really, really loved the vibes of it. I loved the, like, Japanese touring car, British TC, like BTCC kind of thing. Um, I always loved how diverse the field was, and um, I always really wanted to go wheel to wheel racing, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to get there without spending crazy money going to comp school and um, and all that. So I reached out to you and was like, "Hey, you know, this is." sort of my experience i'm not super super experienced but um you know i think gltc is kind of the path that i want to go like what do you think and, uh you kind of explained how the whole thing worked and you know your your weekend of uh comp school and all that and um back in the back of my mind was always this civic coupe that i always wanted to turn into like a full-on race car yeah kind of the car and, got uh, away from you yeah i mean it was like yours like it was you know you've had it forever and you know i never wanted to sell it but it was an opportunity to advance my career which at the point at that point was you know just kind of kicking off and i was newly married and all that so um yep yep you know the, the car had to go so um i had been looking like every year i was like oh, i'm gonna get one i'm gonna get another one i'm gonna get another one but i never had anywhere to store it um, and finally when we moved here, I told my wife, I was like, Hey, like, uh, 
sees this thing, you know, and I always kind of regretted selling that car. And she looked at me and said, do it. So, uh, you know, she, she's not always stoked about the racing. She always worries about me and, you know, whether I'm going to get hurt and all that. But, um, you know, she's always been there to support me. She's been to pretty much every track day I've ever been to. Um, so, and we're like high school sweethearts. We've been together for 18 years. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So she's been there through all the crazy car stuff and, uh, yeah, she was like, "All right, do it. Like, find find the car and you know, get like started." You've been like a pretty so. clean shell too last year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a '94. It was automatic. I actually specifically wanted an automatic so that it would it would have been more of just like a commuter car instead of you know getting beat on and fast and furious out and all that. Right. Uh, which is actually still very common here. Yeah. Um, so drove I, I, out. I saw one just today. I'm like, man, that is <sighs> the most riced out EG I've ever seen. Like, yeah. That's like a 30 year old car. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I had been looking, we actually, my dad and I actually had driven to North Carolina. We drove to Georgia. We drove almost to Alabama, um, and looked at cars and none of them were right. Um, that's so, I found, that's so much I found, yeah, I mean, I found, I mean, I probably drove 30 hours looking for the right car. Right. Um, and luckily I actually spent a couple of years in the auto body industry. So I was getting under cars and finding frame rail damage that was full of kitty hair to make it look like it was a frame rail. But, right. um, yeah, I just kept finding like all this crazy stuff and, um, I like get on Facebook marketplace one day and boom, here's this white coupe, just like my old one, but automatic. And, uh, I drove out about two and a half hours into West Tennessee, uh, looked at it, kind of played the hardball and got the guy to take $500 off the car. So $1,500 later, I drove home in my (laughs) completely stock unmodified, uh, 94 DX coupe. That'd be a good one to build for, man. Unstock or uh, unmodified bone stock, no sunroof, right? Yeah, no sunroof, roll up windows. Nice. This one had power steering and AC, but I mean, obviously, that's not going to stay. Um, and no rust. I mean, like little surface stuff here and there. The paint's peeling and whatever, but the body's mostly straight. There's some stuff in the quarters that needs to be fixed, but, um, the big thing was that structurally the car was completely stock and because it had, um, you know, all the OEM floor mats, stuff like that, I've been able to sell parts. The car is actually a zero cost. Now I've, I've made enough money selling stock parts off of it that, uh, that the car now costs me nothing. (laughs) And and, and like for somebody looking to build a race car, like, it's tough to find the right one to start with because, like, uh-huh. especially when they're getting this old and these cars were like for so many years, like, like right now it's, it's, it's a bit unique because that, that generation is like sought after by, you know, our age enthusiast. But like uh-huh. there was 18 years there where that car was literally just trash. Yeah. You know, like it was like your sister's old 
car that she crashed and he gave it to your brother and then he gave it to his cousin it was just like it was a hand-me-down piece of junk you know yeah um and that's why they're getting they're actually becoming rare because people threw them away so Uh uh, they're hard to find a good one and the ones that still exist most of them aren't like aren't good so um, yeah and luckily it was a southern car its whole life too so like i literally went through every bolt with like hand tools and just popped them right off and that's no rare. like nothing was seized not a single bolt on the car was seized pretty half pretty of them rare. still are like oem zinced yeah. like it's yeah it's for the most part a very straight and good car Dude, so even 20 years ago like all my friends had those and we would do yeah. we would do coilovers or whatever you know do yeah coney ground controls and yeah you do ground <laughs> controls and, and uh, coney yellows and yeah. just taking like the rear lower control arm bolts off like you almost always up here and we're talking like these cars were only like 10 years old at the time um yeah uh, you had to almost always just cut the bolts off and then you'd torch out the bushing. You'd have a new bushing ready and then yeah. you'd press in a new bushing because, like, the bolts were frozen to the bushing. Yeah. Um, that's wild that, like, 28 years I had, afterwards. I had none of that. Yeah. Not a single one. That's so and like, and, and this was, like, after working on my BRZ that was a 2013 in 2016. Right. That every bolt I tried to take out was terrible because it was a midwest car oh really uh, yeah so i mean it was i mean i literally went through the oem catalog and ordered every bolt for the suspension because like every project i did i was fighting it um yeah it's crazy how a couple of winters can really like, oh, make yeah. it tough just that salt water gets everywhere so. yeah so what's the uh you've actually like a couple of months ago um you were like, I'm going after sponsors. I got to build this car. And I was like, man, yeah. I don't even know about talking to sponsors. I've really never talked <laughs> to sponsors. And you were like, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this, this company's coming on this company. Like and people want to see people build GLTC cars. <laughs> yeah. It's actually like mind blowing to me. Like, I feel like I don't deserve it. <laughs> um, but I actually, when, when I was part of eight, six drive challenge in Northern California, I ran the sponsorship there. Um, The guys looked at me and were like, man, you have no shame. You will ask anybody for something for free (laughs) or discounted. Um, So um, I actually developed a lot of like pretty strong relationships with, you know, GT radial, things like that. So I kind of learned like what they're looking for. And um, I learned how to approach them in a way that was honest and not just like, Hey, give me free stuff. Um, which a lot of people go to them and think like, Oh, big fancy company. They have all this money and whatever. And they sponsor formula drift and whatever the, like they don't realize these budgets are thought of a year in advance. Um, And and they're not huge too. They're not like $20 million marketing budgets. No. And, and they're also not looking for, you know, sometimes they're looking for the big crazy SEMA build. Right. But what I found is that most of them just want you to be honest, right? They want to support somebody who is genuine, um, who sets realistic goals, um, who uh, is going to represent the company well. Um, you know, 
and and isn't going to overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah, and they're looking for um, they're looking for advoc- advocacy. Like they want to have just a place in some places. Usually, like they want to exactly. be a name that's floated around the paddock. You know. So. Mm-hmm. And and what I found was um, when I when I did the program for Eight uh, Six Drive Challenge, I actually went on Proposify.com built these like really beautiful proposals like here's our structure like you know a gold level sponsor title sponsor all these things this is what you're going to get back this is what we're going to give you um and i was putting hours of effort into these proposals um and what i found at the end of the day was while that's all great this isn't a professional level motorsports program um they are very realistic now about what their return on investment is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that, you know, you don't have a million dollars to spend on your program. Um, and, and you don't have a million you know, dollars. Your reach may be small, but it's, mm-hmm. but usually our reaches, I mean, if you look at Eric Attil, I mean, he kills it on Instagram because he's constantly posting. He's posting exciting content. Um, and he's, marketing to the people that he is associated with and, and, and like literally the people that follow him like they have the same car they are building yeah. the same car and mm-hmm. they like everything he talks about is like a hundred percent applicable to the probably a giant percentage of his followers so. exactly so that's the which thing. is like, like twenty thousand now or whatever you so. know if you're trying to meet reach a million people like is that realistic and you know, is that actually what they even want? Or do they want you to promote to the people that are going to buy their products? That yeah, are hitting, going hitting a targeted audience. Circles. Yeah, a targeted audience of a few hundred even is probably better than like a generic audience of like a few hundred thousand. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and I, I kind of, when I started this build, was like really watching Eric Attil's build and. Um, you know, really listening to the engineering side of things because he's, I mean, we all know he's a brilliant uh, car setup. And, and he's uh, actually an engineer in real life. He is an actual engineer, yeah. So, you know, that was something that I was like, okay, well, you know, this is all working for him and these companies are amazing. You know, they're supporting him. They're supporting grassroots efforts. So, you know, maybe I'll reach out and see, you know, what there is, what there is to offer. Um and I found resounding support. I mean, um, Home Developments came on board. Um, they were actually one of the first. Yeah, good dudes. Um, they've they've, uh, they've helped me out on some stuff, too. Some really, yeah, really cool. Yeah, they, they have a really great racer's discount program. And, like, tons of cool Honda products, too. Like the so stuff, many. Stuff that never existed before. And they're well-engineered, and everything's thought out. And Like, I just got their new upper control arms and uh, the rear toe arms with, like, the tooth design. Right. And it's like they went through to make sure that you have exactly 0.5 degrees every time you move a tooth. You don't ever have to worry about. What's the minimum maximum on it? Um, so on on the fronts, I think it's 0.5 degrees. Okay. Um, and on the rear toe arms, it's actually really cool. So it's, uh, I believe it's four millimeters per tooth. But then it also has an eccentric bolt that you can fine tune the adjustment. So you can move it. Like okay. if you're like, okay, cool, I want to move it four millimeters and that gives me x amount of toe in toe out you know but i want like a little bit more fine adjustment then you can adjust the eccentric bolt and boom you're like you have 
basically infinite adjustability. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they came on, they were super supportive, and I was, like, blown away that I even got, you know, that they even considered it. Um, and um, I reached out to um, Kingpin Machine, and Chris is a super small company. I mean, it's literally him and his garage yeah. Um, yeah he's been on the show years ago some of the best yeah. stuff that i've ever seen product wise oh i mean it's perfect like, i had some of his very insane. early stuff on my civic that i bought used my old car um and i mean the level of it's craftsmanship nuts. on it's his stuff nuts. like just keeps getting better um when when he was staying at my house for a summer uh richard simmons uh, helped me start putting my oh civic. yeah yeah started putting my Civic together with me, and we had a whole, I had a bunch of new Kingpin stuff, like lower control arms and whatever. Uh, and he was like, this is insane, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, just just the absolute perfection of the machine work is... Yeah. And, I mean, the welds, the plating, the... Like, and, like, the... Per- it's the, crazy. The perfection on just, like, the the amount that he'll... Who go to to make sure that the bearing like has no stiction and everything is exactly how it should be and it's like yeah it's it's almost like it's almost it's crazy insane. it's yeah it's literally crazy yeah <laughs> so, but yeah very, yeah, so very cool he, little products yeah so he he was like yeah I'm super you know happy to support racers and everything but I'm very small so I can't really do much but here's the deal that I can offer you if you can help me find um good cores because you're in the south and um you know a lot of this a lot of these things are still sort of rust free if you can help me find good cores i'll give you credit right um so i've actually been searching through offer up and facebook marketplace and everything and literally buying every nice set of like dc2 lower control arms uh ef civic uppers like the mounts for them i mean everything that yeah, so I can you're, find. you're providing him value because like he can't even make parts if he can't have the parts you know? exactly and a lot of these things just don't exist so like i've gone on these facebook marketplace searches of you know and i'll move my location i don't look in tennessee i look in arizona new mexico nevada places that i know don't salt the roads or don't get snow um very dry climates um and i've been able to find some really clean stuff and he's actually in Georgia, so rather and to like save him on shipping and all that, I drive down there, drop stuff off, um, and pick up my stuff is sort of the agreement. So that I mean, I have family down outside the Atlanta area where he is, so um, it's like a good opportunity for me to go visit my grandfather and yeah. uh, my aunt and uncle and stuff. So it's uh, you know kind of a win-win situation. So that's how that whole thing. Uh, kind of came about and um you know a lot of it has just been you know small things here and there that i've reached out through instagram or through email or phone call or whatever and um people have been able to support um and then the crazy thing happened uh where i had sort of kind of been planning you and i had talked a bunch about d series turbo d series and a crazy d series right um and the more I watched, and I was like, man, it's so expensive to build a D-series or a B-series now um, for the amount of 
actual competitiveness and you know not that i expect to run at the front but i'd love to build a car that is capable in the right hands and with the right amount of seat time and all that right uh, to eventually get there and i sort of landed on k24 and i just kept looking at it and i wasn't stoked about it like i wasn't <laughs> like man this is really cool because yeah, everybody's, everybody's this, right? doing it right you know 10 years ago when the first k series crx happened and whatever like that was cool and now it's just kind of like oh well if you're going to build a race car you're going to build k24 yeah that was like 15 um, years ago now too by the way yeah <laughs> um so i kind of started to look at some other options and was really reading through the rules in the gltc um you know kind of talking through the chat and stuff like that and we were at alpine horizon and there was a really cool pair of EG sedans. Um, and one of them had an F 20 B, um, which was this crazy Euro R accord motor. Sort of like an H 22, um, but like not. Yeah. Uh, it shows a lot of architecture. And it was, yeah. and it was to just fit in the mini board category. And I was like, man, like that would be cool. And the more that I looked at it, the more I was like, yeah, it's cool, but there's no parts for it. Right. Um, if you blow one up, it's impossible to find another one. Um, and so I kind of went back to the drawing board and was like, all right, well, what's cool? Like, what, what's, where is there an opportunity to, um, you know, I'm very budget limited. I can't spend all the money on all the things. Yeah, you what's, know, what's I, easy I to get put, to? You want to be able to fix it if you blow it up. And... Yeah, and I and I want to put the best stuff on that I can afford. I just can't buy it all at the same time. Um, and I had listened to an episode of Slip Angle, and they were talking. You guys were talking with Scott Giles about the um, TCA cars and how Sally McDulty was doing. Um, yeah, with and, the 1.5 turbo. Yep. Yeah, and uh, through that, I found out that Hasport was working on mounts. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the meantime, I'd actually bought a 10th gen, which I'm sitting in now. Um, Studio, dude. And I fell in love with it. Mm. <laughs> um, I love the power plant. I love the torque, the instant response. I mean, it it really blew me away. I was looking at a type R and was really ready to pull the trigger. My wife was like, hell yeah, let's do it. This car is amazing. Your wife sounds uh, like a problem. <laughs> oh, she, well, she has an AP one S 2000. She so. sounds way, <laughs> way too supportive, dude. She also encouraged me to fly to Washington state and drive a citrus yellow insight back 3,500 okay, miles. True. You did that too. But, <laughs> But the new daily. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's, she's a car enthusiast that she doesn't like all the money that gets spent on it, but she loves having a fun car. Right. Um, so I was like, well, let's try the SI. It's like 10 grand cheaper. And you know, we won't be at like the top of what we can spend on a car every month. They're like pretty and, good cars too. Like really nice. Oh, it's, uh, it's so nice. And we took it for a drive, and I was like, all right, this is it. Like, this is the one. Right. Um, and it started to make me think, like, what could this 1.5 turbo do in a better chassis? Like, in an older, lighter, yeah. you know, better suspension geometry. Um, and uh, so I reached out to Hasport and was like, hey, I have this idea. 
I want to build a car for GLTC or I'm building a car for GLTC and uh, I think this 1.5 turbo is something that's very viable. Brian obviously thinks it's the future. Yeah. Uh, um, and and he knows about uh, GLTC. Uh, he knows us pretty well. Like he and I are. Yeah, buddies, yeah. And so. and he was actually building an Integra that was sort of slated for GLTC and through other things. Um, I guess that project got kind of sideburnered. Yeah, he got a little bit busy. And, so. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was actually going to be uh, like a shared car for uh, several drivers. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was like, actually, we were going to do the same thing, and I think you're right, and we'd love to support you. Um, so they offered me a generous discount and sent me the first set of oh. EG uh, L15 mounts. So that's what is going in the car. Right. Um, do you have to change the uh, – because on the automatic EGs, there's like a different trans mount. Um, uh, well, you have to cut it off anyway because it's like the K24 where oh, it's got okay. that bracket that bolts onto the frame rail. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, do you have to weld the OEM one in, or do you have to change that mount, or how's that work? Yeah, so you just drill that mount off like you would for a K series, and right. then there's oh, like a big that. bracket that bolts through the frame rail, or, or you can weld it on. Right. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm gonna weld it yet, um, just in case I decide to change things. Should I have difficulty? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, through that announcement um, and of me being supported by Hasport, uh, which is a dream for any Honda nerd. So Pretty cool. Um, it was, yeah, it was kind of the big moment of like, okay, cool, this is this is going. Like we're we're doing something fun and special here. So um, through that, Acuity Russell Garahan from Acuity reached out and said, hey. I made a deal with Hasport that anybody who does this L15 swap, uh, we would like to support them as long as their program is something we believe in and they, you know, sort of fit what we are looking for. Um, and yeah, you, get in I on told the, him, you get in on the early early ones and you're going to be the exactly. choice for everybody that watches. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, I told him, here's here's realistically when the car might see the grid this is what i'm planning this is how i want the car to be built these are my plans i will make you no promises of finishing position mm -hmm. um i will <laughs> tell you that i will work constantly at getting better um i'm have no experience in wheel to wheel but you know i i'm coming into it with a level head and and you know, just looking to become a better driver and be in this group of people that I believe in and that, you know, have become my friends through the chats and through, you know, coming to events and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what the program is going to look like. It's very grassroots. I'm not going to be able to make every race. You know, like I said, I just set very realistic expectations and he's like, this all sounds great. I love that you're, you know, so aware of, your situation and that, um, you know, you're interested in tackling this, um, newer platform and we'd love to offer you a full suite of support. So, um, they right. sent me a giant box of cool, parts. uh, cool parts. So shifter and they're going to help me with fuel system and, uh, transmission cables and all that. Yeah. They, they make some come really, out. Like their, their product line is getting quite diverse too yeah i mean and it's it's beautiful and 
the engineering on it is so nice. Um, yeah, he used I mean, to work everything like is like height adjustable and throw adjustable. And, yeah. um, he comes from a background in like formula one cooling package development. So we're actually talking a lot about that. Um, yeah, that's wild. and I've been talking to some other cooling companies and like trying to figure out what the radiator solution is going to look like. And, um, you know, the unfortunate part is that I don't have the engine in the car yet. So, yeah. um, that's sort of the next thing. Once I get the car rolling, the plan is to, uh, work on the engine side of things. Um, but I mean, I've been talking to coil rad and they're pretty excited and trying to help me figure out, you know, how thick the core needs to be and where the outlets and inlets need to be and whether, um, an existing off the shelf radiator that they have will work. Um, so it's been really cool, like, since this announcement of the L15, there's been more and more people that are, are interested. Um, I think it's going to be cool. You and where it's going to go. It's going to be really cool. No. Yeah. Um, so I just hope that I'm up to the task of driving it well, <laughs> and, first you and not embarrassing it. myself. <laughs> first got to build it, and then you don't crash it, and then you have fun. Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah. Um, well, I think we did a podcast, man. We're uh, we're into this thing for an hour, dude. So yeah, <laughs> um, we'll uh, we'll have to do another one when we meet in person at a racetrack again. So for sure, um, I'm planning to be at as many races that I can next year, and uh, Coda is definitely on that list. So yeah, we we might want some help in data stuff. So yeah, um, well, I'm what, happy to help. So what do people? Fi- how do people find you on like the Instagrams and all that? Um, so my Instagram is gltc underscore ej two. Um, I thought that would be easy. Um, and then I also have a community Facebook page. It's GLTC EJ2. Um, and then my YouTube channel is also GLTC underscore EJ2. Man, and that will. You're just committed, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I've been really bad about updating that. But as parts start to roll in and things start to get completed, uh, I'll be updating that a lot more. And, um, you know, got to keep the partners happy and so basically uh, you've got a car that's the the car is like stripped you're building it right now and yes and you've got the the peer pressure from because you became friends with all of us now you've got the peer peer pressure that you can't quit yeah i i think it's uh i think it's been fun to watch so Um, yeah so and it's sitting uh, on jack stands and it's a pretty bare shell right now so i i i loved the like when you were telling me like uh, I'm not setting any unrealistic expectations for any of these partners, you know, like yeah. people just want to like support unique stuff and mm-hmm. a race series that they like, uh, these, these companies. Um, yeah. and I think, uh, I thought it would be a cool show talking about, you know, your background and, and how you, uh, and how you landed some, some sponsors. So, yeah. Well, and you guys have done such a good job of promoting the series yourselves and doing the live streams and stuff like that. So it gets a lot of eyes on what is ultimately a very small series of guys who are building these cars and garages. Yeah, it's and, like 150 different drivers uh, yeah. total. Like it's not yeah. a thousand or ten thousand or whatever. It's it's about yeah. one hundred and fifty, which or it's also not million dollar TV budgets that that's true. you know yeah. are getting played on ESPN two and you know have factory back support and stuff. Like, but it's good racing and yeah, it's, uh, it's showing clean. club race. Like the goal for it was to show club racing to a generation that doesn't know it exists, and yeah. I think largely we're accomplishing that goal. Um, yeah, it it was so cool to me um, this weekend. 
Because Road America is just huge, right? Like it's yeah. so big. I'm standing at the top, so of, top of False Grid, and we we actually turned on all the. They have a bunch of LED walls all over the place. Oh, um, cool! And we were able to for for I think a pretty sizable, but not that big of a fee to like have the stream on those things. It was like a technical exercise to make the stream live on those things. Um, so yeah. I I actually was able to watch the stream. I just turned my left, and like there's a twenty by or like a 10 by 15 like stream right to my left. Um, we had it over the PA and everything. Um, but like post race, uh, you'd see the cars coming in and then you'd see the line of spectators and like other drivers. And like, they all drove to different aspects or like parts of the track and they would all be watching from like cool vantage points. And, That's it, so cool. and it went for like 15 minutes. People just like <laughs> file back to their paddock space um, and I was like, man, people really want to watch GLTC. This is so bizarre. Yeah. It's like, and these are like people that are in the grid life ecosystem. You know, they're driving HPD, they're driving Time Attack or whatever, and like they would, they would go find their best, their new vantage point, and there would be this line. It'd be like a traffic jam for ten or fifteen minutes. It was so cool. That's, that's gotta feel so cool. <laughs> it's just, and this wasn't even a big event. You know, it wasn't a festival yeah. or anything. It was like, you know, there was yeah. like a thousand people on site, but it wasn't a festival. Um, yeah. It was just a big club race weekend, but um, GLTC puts on a show. I mean, race three, race three was wow. maybe one of the best races I've ever seen any in any environment, any series ever. Uh, it yeah. was a it was a party, man. So yeah, well, unfortunately, yeah. there were those race four incidents. Oh, really race four was a fun was one. Okay. Yeah, when it starts to rain right. the pace lap and half of the fields on Hoosiers, it gets weird, but uh, look yeah, at, my uh, cars are my fixable. nephew probably heard the loudest F word he's ever heard in his life <laughs> uh, was, was, when when DJ and Eric hit the wall. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not my favorite moment, but those cars are fixable. Yeah. They'll, they'll get them fixed. So. Well. Eric's gonna do some cool stuff. I'm pretty sure. So even if he it, so even if he builds a new car, I think that car is iconic enough that if he doesn't bring it to a frame shop and fix it, he's he's throwing away like a future investment. Um, we'll see. No, I mean seriously, like that tub, yeah. the tub <laughs> itself. Yeah. Uh, there will be a kid who's like 13 right now and watching GLTC every weekend, and he makes a bunch of money someday, and he's gonna be like, man. That's Eric Cattill's EG. I'm going to pay money for that. Like, that's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, don't throw that car away, you know? Yeah. So, it's... Well, I mean, you got Derek out there selling cars for 50 grand or whatever. It's so. crazy. There's already, <laughs> yeah, there's already GLTC cars that are sold for stupid money. So. Yeah. Anyway. All right, well, I, all right, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign off. This, uh, yeah. this show is brought to you by FCP Euro. All the parts you buy are guaranteed for life. Uh, the uh, the Apex Track Coach dot com Apex Pro uh, and uh, you know cool little data system they got uh, we have a new bundle probably coming out for Patreon listeners a good deal so stay tuned to that um, and obviously our Patreon subscribers we really appreciate them sent out a bunch of T shirts last month and now now that we're through event hell uh, uh, it's time to <laughs> time to make a bunch more shows so. Um, yeah, been a been a wild year. We really appreciate everybody listening. I think listening. I'm Patreon number one. Are you the first one? I think so. <laughs> you, I think you actually might be. You might be right. Like one or two. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot more of you now. It's kind of borderline, yeah. borderline humbling, and I wish we had more time during event season to get crazy with shows. But there was a couple of good ones there this year. So, 
Yeah, there was a lot of uh, sister sister. Oh, the sister sister was. I mean that that is a widely celebrated Patreon show. <laughs> so, anyway, all right, I'm gonna go back to sit staring at my computer. I've been looking at GLTC rules uh, for for about an hour a day every day for the past month. So uh, we're, we're working on them, man. New new rule set out soon. So looking forward to it. All right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, take care. Yep. See you. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a grid live to say hello. Hello.